Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Jim, and I'm here with Paul and Kathleen. And today we have a very special episode for you guys. Recently, we were lucky enough to chat with Andy Grush and Taylor Newton Stewart of the Newton Brothers. Fans of our podcast know we have absolutely loved covering Mike Flanagan's television shows, The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor, and recently Midnight Mass. These two amazingly talented individuals have scored all of Mike Flanagan's films and television series for the past seven years. We're talking horror films such as Oculus, Before I Wake, Hush, Ouija, Origin of Evil, Gerald's Game, Doctor Sleep, and of course, the Haunting Anthology series and Midnight Mass. The combination of Mike Flanagan's stories with the Newton Brothers music scores have redefined the horror genre and sky's the limit for these two amazing composers. So... Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Oh, look at that setup. Yes. <laughs> How are you guys doing? How's good. It? How are you? Real good. Andy, Wait. that looks like an amazing setup. You about to compose for this um, podcast? <laughs> yeah, one note. One note. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you need a new theme song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah let's gosh. do it. Let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Hey, Taylor. Hello. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. good. How are you? Good. Wow, the setups are amazing. Jimmy just had to tell me to close the closet door back here. I was like, <laughs> no, no, when it's open, it probably makes better acoustics in there, right? If yeah. you have clothes in there, it absorbs the sound. There you go. Good. I messed up, Kathleen. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Oh, great. Very good. Thank you. We're happy Super, to be here. Just so I like, excited. I like we were, your back, your your background, the bench town. It's oh, just, thank you. <laughs> it's sorry, because Jim. I don't want you to see what the actual background is. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, you'll learn a little bit too much about Jimmy then. But yeah, right. Uh, right before we uh, hopped on the Zoom here, we were freaking out. We were so excited. Uh, we couldn't believe that we were going to be able to actually talk to you guys because we absolutely loved. Uh, Haunted Hill House, Bly Manor, Midnight Mass, um, fantastic. That's uh, basically one of the first shows that we said we have to cover as soon as we started our podcast was Haunted Hill House because it was top notch and we are just huge fans. Oh, thanks, Paul. Wow. No, thank, thank, you. You. thank you. That's thank all you Mike. So much. That's all Mike Flanagan. We just we do what he tells us to do. So that's that's all. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> True. But I mean, I feel like even when we were recording Hill House, I kept doing the thing where I'm like, put the music, put the music <laughs> specifically with horror. I mean, the music really elevates the dialogue and stuff, but it could depending on the choice you make, it really can change the entire scene, like whether it's soft or or intense or whatever it is. So, I mean, you guys do amazing work. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you very much. That's very nice of you to say it's uh. You know, it's always a process. It's funny because like to your point, you know, I think that we have to find out what doesn't work to find out what does work. And that's real trying on the on the psyche. You know, like uh, I was telling a friend the other day, like when we're in the midst of writing things, it never feels good or great. It's fun to do this. It's super fun like to do it. But if you feel kind of beat up because, you you know, we'll record and try a lot of ideas and some days you feel like they're working and some days you don't, but that's sort of what I think we try to do to exhaustion to sort of figure out like what we like or don't like, you know, mm. I don't know. I'm talking out of my ass probably. <laughs> no, no, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm in the hot seat right now. So I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So that was one of my uh, big questions is, I mean, mixing your guys sound with uh, Mike Flanagan's visuals. I mean, 
it's such a daunting task and I, I, it matches perfectly. I mean, I get goosebumps whenever I hear the intro now, just because I, I get transported like straight into, you know, Hill House. And I was curious, does he give you an idea of what he's looking for? Does he does he show you anything or tell you? Mike is very specific. He is and I would say across the board in all the departments, he's he's very involved. He's very collaborative and um, he's very descriptive in what he you know, what he wants to go after. So uh, it really helps kind of narrow that down. And we try a bunch of stuff. But again, he's a super collaborative and he's also very musical, too, um, especially on Hill House. He was actually we were sending back ideas back and forth. He was had ideas he's writing in, which led to actually the main titles. I'm sorry, the not the main titles, another one of the other themes we have go tomorrow. And um, so, one. yeah, we, you know, he's incredibly musical and it makes it, you know, uh, very fun and enjoyable. But there's also a sense of like, hey, we got to step up every, you know, there's a keep going, <laughs> right, going, right. going, which does add a bit of, you know, excitement and, and, and pressure on ourselves that, you know, we, we just put on. But that's but that's part of it specifically midnight mass i mean i i felt like for hill house it was very eerie tones for uh bly it was very mysterious for this one i mean you had to use a lot of just religious music i would say like I, religious instruments i don't know if that's the right way of saying that have you had you guys used those instruments and practice with those before or was this something new you had to explore most of those instruments we we have used and played quite a bit um I'd say the one instrument that I don't have a ton of experience personally playing is like a bit, a traditional pipe organ. There's a lot that goes into a traditional pipe organ. We ended up not having a lot of that uh, in this score, but a lot of it was the hymns and like sort of how the hymns were performed, you know, like I think the note that we kept sort of trying to tell all the singers was sing humbly, you know, which is a weird you know, usually you, you, you're telling musicians and, and singers to perform, you know, good, perform well, do a <laughs> right, good job, right. you know, and, and at a certain level, everyone is excellent at what they do. But with the hymns, it was really important that the hymns didn't sound like we had 70 incredible singers. We needed everyone to sing as if you've had a very tough week and, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and you're singing hymns, not even at church to impress anybody. You're just there because of you, like, you have this faith within you and you're, you're just kind of singing it. Like I kept telling, like, I kept like sending like pictures to the singers, like sing like this, like mm. sing, like you're, you feel like you've had a really bad week and you're just hoping for some sort of you know, I don't know, like grace to come through this hymn or, or whatever. Grace, yeah. grace from Timmy. <laughs> grace from Timmy. Yeah. Timmy was the, the band Timmy and the Wax Shack. So the cast started calling <laughs> me Timmy when, uh, <laughs> when we were up there. So that, so now Taylor's been calling and, me and, Timmy. And he's in the show. He plays, the, he plays the organ. So. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. Very, just like, very serious with my ponytail hey, <laughs> aka timmy yeah yeah fantastic so, was that the first time you were actually in one of the shows or films yes this is my first time ever uh ever acting it was a, f a funny <laughs> joke that i would say that i'm an actor when i i went to canada when you pull up to the border because of covid 
I was the only person at the border. So you, you, you get to the border and it's this huge like park and I'm the only person there. And there's, you know, 300 uh, TSA agents or at, or at, is that right? A TSA agent at the border? I don't know. Border agents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the, the guy asked me real serious. He's got a, like a <laughs> rifle strap to him. <laughs> yeah. what I do pull you up do? in my car and he said, uh, what are you here for? And I thought, well, I'm the composer, but I guess I'm an actor. And I, <laughs> and I kind of paused and, and I said, uh, I'm an actor with a question. And he got real serious and was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I'm acting, but I write music for the show, the show <laughs> I'm here for. And he's like, so which is it? Are you a musician or are you an actor? And I was like, actor. Yeah, yeah I am both. <laughs> real identity. I can, do it. I can do it all. I'm here for the vampires. That's where I'm going to Canada for. <laughs> I yeah. can't believe they killed you off on your first role. That's that's pretty brutal. Yeah, I was. Uh, that was that was pretty exciting. I was excited to be killed so violently too. Hooker oh, yeah. <laughs> Hooker takes me out pretty good. It's it's pretty fun. <laughs> Speaking of uh, being brutally murdered, is horror <laughs> something you guys always were passionate about, or did that come when you partnered up with Flanagan, or how did that start? Being the horror kings. um it's yeah that's a great question you know we i don't think we we kind of went after that i think it just kind of fell it fell into it we both love horror but i think more specific things like the thing and you know jaws and certain films and obviously the shining and we we really love the ability that you can sort of like have genres within genres and sort of tell a story and um, I think the freedom in, in horror, it makes it so much fun to do. But I don't think we we're trying to go after it. It's kind of it just kind of happened. And the way Mike tells stories and I feel like, you know, everyone's thinking that they're they're watching this scary thing. And and it is scary. But then it's like a romance. Oh, you know yeah. What I mean, yes. oh, yeah. it's, just, it's just kind of all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. What am I watching? <laughs> you know? Exactly. Was- we Yeah, I was going to say, Paul, we say that on the podcast about all three of them so far, all three of the. Uh, Bly, Hill House, and, and Midnight Mass. You know, mm-hmm. you think you're watching horror, but this is a story with it's characters. Story. Yeah, exactly. And I, I love that about the way he sh- he shoots and writes and everything. It's it just really, it's it's just really kind of, you're not expecting it and it just gets to you all of a sudden and you're having all these sort of feelings and emotions and um, it's, you know, it's not just the scares and, I, and it's, and I love that. I love that. I mean, even I think at the end of Midnight Mass, Andy and I were, were just like, getting teary-eyed, you know what I mean? I think it was the second to last episode of Hill House. You know, we have these spotting sessions that are very, like, they're very academic. Like, you show up with your notebook and we watch the episode and we, like, Academic. Like, yeah, I just mean, like, it, yeah, like, in the idea is to, like, sit down and talk about, like, this is how we want to feel. Oh, let's not put music here. Let's put a sound effect here. Like, you just talk about it and then you go off and do your thing. I mean, we're sitting in a room with, like, nine people watching that episode. Mike's sitting next to me. And we're all crying at the end of this episode, you know, and it's, it's the, but it's not a situation where you should be crying. And we are all crying. It's just like, we look at Mike and like, man, you dick, like it's, <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. And that's crazy because at that point there is no music, I assume, because you add the music and the music is really what tears at your heartstrings, I think. So that's crazy that even without that amazing music on the back, that it still rips it's, at tears at your heartstrings. That's incredible. It's funny because you say that because when we're watching it, we're always like, like it, it makes us feel so much that it's sort of we just start writing stuff because of the, all these feelings and, and even sometimes just in the script. And then 
And then, you know, we'll, we'll play it, but we've already felt so much emotion from the scene because Mike, the way he writes. So this is a crazy question. When you're writing on your, on your notepad, do you write <laughs> thoughts or do you write music notes or do you write instruments? Like what, what does a note look like? If you're blank slate, you have an idea. What does that note look like? Oh, it's for, for me, it's all over the place. I yeah, think me too. it's, uh, I'm not good at remembering rhythms. So I'll write down rhythms, uh, musically, like on a, I'll make a quick staff of five lines so that I can remember a rhythmic idea. Mm. Um, and then it's all over the place. It, you know, sometimes it'll be, you know, a reference to even a book I was reading, or it's, it's really all over the place at first. Cause I think there's, uh, and I'm sure you all get this too. We get it in all these weird places, right? Like you, you might be out for a run in the morning or you're at the farmer's market on the weekend. And like, you have an idea about like, Oh, these, I, I want to put shelves in my bathroom. And you're like, why, why am I thinking about that right now? But those thoughts come sort of like mm -hmm. that. And it's similar. Like when we're taking notes on projects, sometimes the idea, most often the idea doesn't come when we're talking about the project, it'll come at another time. And I think that's universal for everyone, right? That like shower moment, you're like, yeah. right, you're right. Like cleaning your armpit and you're like, whoa, oh, there it is. <laughs> oh yeah. Inspiration strikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Taylor, what do your notes look like? Um, yeah, I usually, you know, it's, it's funny because I remember on haunting a blind manor, we were trying to come up with some new pieces and we just needed like one more piece that we were going to use. Um, and it needed to kind of feel slightly jolly and sort of have this, uh, it was a waltz and had this kind of British, a little bit of a British feel. And, um, and just, you know, I would just kind of write some ideas, but it just didn't feel right. And then all of a sudden the power just shut off. The only time there's a storm in LA and, uh, you know, I, I was forced just to use pen and paper and, and just the piano. So what I what I wrote after after I got it done, I, I called Andy and um, and played it for him. And he's like, oh, that's great. And then we just had some ideas back and forth and then sent it off. And that became like the whole riff. So it's so weird when it happens. And sometimes it's not it's not sexy at all. Sometimes you're just at the computer, you know, yeah. with, so it's not it's not like all um, so much pen and paper, but, you know, but sometimes it's just, I feel like whatever inspires you. And, and for me, it's usually the script and the story that makes me feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but, but not always, sometimes you go for a run and, you know, and you're, you're, you go outside or whatever. And it's just take a shower. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like the, on your phone, do you guys like ever just get an idea and then hit record and then hum a few lines oh. or something like that? All that my phone is, I have so many voice memos in this phone that are just, I mean, humming. I, I played a guitar thing in this morning. I was like, I don't, I don't know what this is even for, but I really like it. So save it uh, for later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just, uh, yeah. And then there's, there's, there are a few apps where you can multi-track too, which was helpful for midnight mass. Cause with midnight mass, it was kind of about finding what arrangement would work with the hymns. Um, so I found that I would like multi-track like some of the ideas just to see like how they would sit tempo wise and, and feel. Um, yeah. So that's, that's been really helpful. I think the old version of that was voicemail, right? You'd call yourself and leave <laughs> voicemail. Yeah. Uh, and now, yeah, the memos on the phone is incredible. Yeah. You lost, you lost your voice on midnight mass. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, seeing a vocal coach right now and getting back to where I was, but it, you know, there was a lot of, it's funny, like 
Taylor saying that like, it's not sexy. Like I thought one day I was like, Oh, I'm going to get a, cause there were times when I would just, we would want to track ideas for Mike and send him rough ideas of the hymn, like with no choir, just like, here's all four parts sung by just the two of us and stacked like whatever, 80 times, 20 times, whatever we were looking for in the scene. So I got my GoPro, I set it up in here. I was like, Oh, I'll do a time-lapse, you know? And some of these would take a long time to record these hymns. You record, there's four parts, some of them five to seven verses. And for each part, we would multi-track like 12 times per, so it would take a while. So I set up the GoPro, I sing all the parts. I'm like, I bet this video is going to be awesome. And I I like (laughs) finished tracking and it's tracking's like, it took like two hours to do that. And then I, you know, get the footage and I look at it and I was like, this is so boring. (laughs) Just me at this microphone, just like, <laughs> over and over, so boring. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, but no, I, I lost my voice uh pretty good by the end. So uh yeah, practice your uh singing. Yeah, I mean tracks on tracks on on tracks. It sounds <laughs> like that's a great yeah. idea for merch, actually. Tracks on tracks, <laughs> tracks on tracks. Oh man, that's good. Great. That's so awesome. you I mean, how long ago did you guys actually finish? with midnight mass i mean i know filming was almost a year ago i believe or a little bit more um when did you guys actually finish with your work uh wow i can't it doesn't even feel like we're done still <laughs> yeah. uh, i think I, you were actually done about a month wow. maybe six weeks before it hit the air wow okay that was what I was thinking, I was like, wow, it's a year that your voice has been so messed up. And then I was like, wait a second, they're still working on it pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot more recent. Yeah. Yeah, it was very recent. That's cool. So like, we're still figuring out the the whole process, but <laughs> so they get all the filming done and then do they give you just like little shots or do they have pretty much all of it completed and edited by the time it gets to you? Well, we had the extra advantage of me being up there. So right. we would finish shooting and usually we'd finish shooting late at night. So as not to torture Taylor, I would call him the next day in the morning and be like, dude, so here's here's what's happening. Because, you know, we had read the script at this point, but being there on set was very telling as to things that we should be trying and not trying, you know, like mm-hmm. uh Crockett Island is again, back to that word, like a humble, it's a humble town. So Mm -hmm. Taylor and I would talk a lot about like, even the way that Mike had the set dressed, it, it, everything had to be very understated, like, and musically too. Mike had told us at one point, you know, he wanted us to keep in mind that this is a fishing town near the ocean, you know? And even when we got into the score, which is in most parts, not super musical um he wanted it to feel like it was crocket island so that so that you're kind of immersed in it and you're feeling like Fimignari's like cinematography and the music and the acting all sort of feel like they cohese and so that was that was a big part of the process for us was sort of getting an idea of sounds and instruments before we were getting footage and then when we got the footage then going through that with uh, Mike and his producing partner, Trevor, and talking about what the what the tones should be and what the score should be and which hymns should be in. Not all the hymns made the final cut. Um, there were a lot of beautiful hymns that just it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't working or wasn't part of the final sort of destiny of the sound. Um, and I think, I mean, it, 
it, it seems to have worked out well. I mean, Mike had this beautiful vision and was very specific about hymns. Uh, anyway, sorry, I, I got off track there, but I hope that kind of answered the question. No, definitely. That, that definitely answered the question. And we don't mind getting off track at yeah, all. No. So. <laughs> cool. Okay, cool. We like rants. We're Tell us whatever that. you want. Yeah. Okay, so, sweet. <laughs> so, um, when it comes to film versus TV, obviously you've worked with Mike with both. So how does your process differ with the two, you know, when you're doing, you know, whether it's Dr. Sleep or Hill House, Bly, Midnight Mass, et cetera? It's much more accelerated, the schedule, um, just because there's not enough time. Midnight Mass was a little unusual because of the on-screen singing and Andy was up there and uh, it, it was a lot more involved early on. Um, but I would say in general with, with film, you usually have, you know, months and months and months and months um, unless it's, you know, there's some, some acceleration and in, in the schedule on that as well. But the turnaround is just much, much faster. Um, and, uh, you know, but at the same time, the way Mike shoots it, it's like one big movie, but it's just, it's just so, you know, he has that space, that time to develop those, those characters. And I feel like musically, we, tr we try to play with that too. Um, whereas with film, you know, we go about it a little bit differently. Speaking of film, I read that you guys apprenticed with the King Hans Zimmer. Is that true? I did. Yeah. Yeah. How was it learning from a literal genius? Because, I mean, he is he's like the king. He's interstellar inception. I mean, the Lion King, like yeah. like like just so well known, even if people don't know the name Hans Zimmer, they know of his work. So, I mean, uh, how was that experience? You know, uh, it was uh, it was great going through. There's you know, there was a lot of us who kind of went through that camp. And and I feel like when you get thrown into that environment, you you learn a lot. And when I was working with him, you know, he's very much into uh, creativity and, uh, you know, electronics and and sort of feeling whatever the, the, the concept or the theme is for the film or the movie. And it was really, you know, especially I was super young, kind of seeing that kind of develop was very, very informative. And it's it sort of also capitalizing just my love for electronics and and sort of creativity you know i mean hans was one of the first guys to sort of really make sampling of instruments a more of a commercial commercial thing before that it, i don't i don't really feel like it was as commercial to sample a cello for you know on a fair light or, or or whatever instrument he was using and um so he really kind of pioneered that stuff and and it was great to kind of learn his his approach to things and and it it's uh, he's yeah, he's I mean, speaking of coming up with ideas, you know, he, his ideas, he told me come up when he's in the taking a bath. So, you know, <laughs> there you yeah. go. Speaking of people you worked with, I um, I was on the Wikipedia page and I saw Danny Elfman and I just was laughing because I'm so obsessed with the nightmare before Christmas. I keep doing the monologue, the like opening monologue, the Patrick Stewart one to Jimmy, <laughs> like like every other day and he hates it. <laughs> <laughs> she needs to just prove to me that she can do it without without any script or anything just to well, show me. I just listened to that soundtrack so much. Like I have a I have a spooky like I can look at oh, let me open it. My spooky playlist. So it's like all nightmare before Christmas. It's like Michael Myers theme song. But I have um whatever walk there, walked alone, go tomorrow, beginning of the end wow. movement one, perfectly splendid, and yeah. the weeping willow on there too, because they're just so good. They like Paul said earlier, they just transport me to the show. I'm sure I'll add some midnight mass into there too, but it's as soon as like October one hits and I'm like, 
spooky season. Let's go. Uh, have, you guys, have you guys gone to the um, the show that Danny does uh, for Nightmare Before for I would Christmas? love to go there. Oh, you have oh. to go. He it's does incredible. that in California, right? Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah. It's worth the trip. I'm telling you, it's Taylor and I have been, uh, he was nice enough to invite us the year that we were working together. And I, I just, I mean, even if you've seen the film a hundred times, like the performances, and I think this year, I think Billie Eilish is going to be performing. Yes, I saw yeah. that. Yeah, Sally, yeah. If you need like a, a date weekend, like this is the this is the thing to do. It's, pr- it's pretty fun. It's yeah. pretty amazing, yeah. Yeah. I, I would die to get yeah, to Yeah, Kathleen that. would love that. <laughs> I mean, obsessed. we would all love it, but Kathleen especially. <laughs> you walk into my, so right now I'm in my Philly apartment, but if you go to um, my parents' house, it's like Jack and Sally um, pillowcases. I have like mm. Jack this, Jack that. It's, it's crazy. It's She's crazy. very easy to buy gifts for. But I, She's my sister, by the way. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> birthday, eat very easy. That's what I do. Like every time I go home, I just do the monologue at him and I'm like, yeah. yeah stupid goofball. that's great <laughs> oh that's wonderful <laughs> but that but that's great too i mean those two are such great big names it's awesome yeah yeah i mean i remember the the night before we were going to go play cues for danny because we were co-scoring this a flanagan film with with him and it was terrifying you know it's uh it's, here's a guy that you've been listening to i mean i'd listened to danny growing up uh and yeah it was terrifying but just uh uh, sweet guy and cr- insanely creative as as you all know so it was a lot of fun i have kind of a random just music question in general so like when people ask the question if you could pick one dream job in the world i always say choosing music for a tv show because i i just love tv i mean we have a tv podcast whatever so i was wondering like maybe not specifically these because there's not too much like I don't know what to call it, like radio music. Like a in soundtrack. Soundtrack. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Sup a soundtrack. Yeah. So how if if you're scoring a show or a or a movie, how do you decide and are you involved in when there's a um an already existing song being added or when it's being composed for specifically for the score? Go ahead, Taylor. I was just saying it completely just depends. Um, you know, sometimes it's written into the script. Mm. You know, uh, specifically, you know, like with the hymns, um, there's very certain, you know, at this moment, th- you know, this song comes on and and then sometimes it's just like a background song comes on. And and then sometimes, you know, we've been like we've been asked to write in credits for movies and stuff. And we've worked with different artists and uh, it's just it really, uh, you know, as Andy was probably about to say, it just depends on the thing. And mm. there, there often is a music supervisor and you know, their job is to kind of find options that will fit the film. And so we, so between the director and the producer and the music supervisor and us, and and then of course the music editor who edits all the stuff, um, you know, we kind of all go back and forth. Um, and at the end of the day, it obviously it just, it's what is up to the creatives, what they feel is working. Yeah. You guys are obviously very passionate about music. I'm I'm jealous that this is your job and that you're really very good at it. (laughs) Well, go. I mean, remember what Taylor said though. It's not as sexy as like smashing buttons and like, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll tell you right now that sometimes because we have deadlines versus like writing for like a symphony or a record or something, you know, I won't sleep for like two days. Yeah. And, And I'm on that schedule now. So, that part of it is is just unfortunately the nature of the beast. 
So it's not all yeah. shiny, shiny stars. <laughs> yeah, my my goodness. You know, anything that you do that is scary, I think is really good for you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there's things that, um, you know, even just in this process of writing music, there's times when we present, I mean, Mike had asked when we did the score for midnight mass to, to just do, you know, we wanted noises and metal and like really obscure and long pauses of silence. And as Taylor and I talked about it, we had sort of thought like, Oh, there might be a need for like something that's somewhat melodic. And we had a handful of ideas and we, we included a couple of the ideas we thought were better um, in the mix of things we sent him that were sort of atonal and real like jarring. And it's scary to do that, you know, because he specifically told us, I, I don't want this. Uh, and so there's always like a, a fear of like, you have to kind of just trust yourself. And I mm-hmm. think that's like, I, I always wish that there was in high school or elementary school. I wish there was a class that was just about like, you know, you always hear like, be yourself and like, sure. we'll appreciate for you for who you are. But like, no one really gets into like what that means, because really what that means is like, you need to speak your truth of whatever it is about like who you are as a person or what you want to do with work or how you feel about how the floor should be vacuumed. Like whatever it is, it's, it's scary to put yourself out there, you know, mm-hmm. but when you do, I think that really excellent things happen even if you fail immensely, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like a, there's a big reward to it. And Taylor and I, he and I are basically therapists to each other. You know, when we send (laughs) tracks, whether we're sending stuff to Flanagan or, or, uh, you know, Nick Pesh on the grud, we always want to try to do something that, that scares us a little because otherwise it's real. I mean, I always get really scared when I finish a cue and I'm like, well, that was real easy. Like, oh shit, so, that's something <laughs> not... came out way too easy. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I, I've learned this too many. I will never, ever send a cue where I like go through and do it and do the orchestration and mock it up and do it and be like, cool, that feels good. Something's wrong. That's like <laughs> a real, it's like the, the trickster of life, right? Like this is all right. just sort of a game and you have to just kind of like, oh, well, hmm. Uh, and I think that that's what, sorry, not to go on and on about like the love it, yeah. love it, yeah, <laughs> period. No, <laughs> period. I mean, so what you said, first yeah. of all, that's amazing. Everything you just said. And I believe I read it in Rolling Stone when you guys did the interview for that, that, you know, you have this relationship with Mike where I, I believe it was quoted pretty much where you're like, we can send him crap. And he knows that's part of the process. So we trust each other, you know, meaning like you're going to send him the first thing and he might not like it 100 percent or you guys might not like it 100 percent. But there's that trust for through seven years mm. of working together that you will get there. That's just the process. A hundred percent. That's true. But I would say also, too, you know, I think we come down harder than ourselves and Mike ever would. Right. OK. So, yeah. Or, or, or any showrunner for that matter. You know, what I mean, like I think, you know, most composers that do this for a living who are like in it you know, going after it, I feel like, you know, you, you tend to be harder on yourself, you know what I mean? Mm. But Mike does allow us to, you know, when it's a new relationship, I feel, you know, that rope is a lot smaller. (laughs) It's probably a lot scarier when it's a new relationship compared to with Mike or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so with Mike, it's like, you know, uh, we know the process and that does help, but, um, 
but there's always, you know, there's the, the, the rope only goes so far. Right. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm sure you've been able to, it gets maybe a little bit easier since like Oculus or Hush back in the day versus now. But again, each project is very different, especially this one. I mean, every article I've read is how personal this one was to Mike Flanagan to like his faith and everything about that. I mean, he seems like the guy who is very, very attached to every project he's doing. So I wouldn't say one more than the other, but I just know this one was very personal to him. So I'm sure you guys felt that as well to make sure you got it right. But again, you guys are are your own uh, biggest critics anyway. So you would have figured out how to get it right anyway. Yeah. He's very deep. Again, he's so, so detailed. Um, which is great. And it really helps. And I feel like as it's forming and coming along, he, you know, he'll be like, Oh, let's not do this. Let's not do that. And, and when something isn't work on, on any project for us, it always is super helpful because it, it immediately tells us what never to do again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, you know, actually this, this uh, you just reminded me of a specific story that I, I hadn't, I haven't told anybody actually this story. Um, the day that we're shooting episode two, where the they're having the the potluck, right? And mm-hmm. I'm up there with all my my gorgeous hair sticking out the sides of that hat. <laughs> Mike had such a detailed idea about how that whole situation played out. At one point, he yelled, "Grush, come here!" I was doing a, a Gordon Lightfoot song. If you could read my mind, and he's like, "What do you think?" Just like academically speaking, like. How long do you think while Aaron and Ryler are walking down the road, where, where do you think we're going to get in like, and so I was like, I don't know, like maybe we'll get like somewhere into the second verse. And he's like, okay, I think we're going to get a little right after towards the end of the, she's like, let's do it. So I start playing the song on the guitar and he and I are singing it like up on stage. We get off and we walk the same way Aaron and Riley walk. And sure enough, like what (laughs) he had thought would be timed out was almost exact like where he thought in the song we had like a little just gentleman's bet as to where it would get and he nailed it and that was in the script like you know the band is playing it's very specific for what's happening with you know the song and what's it's is incredible just the the amount of detail is unreal i would love to be on set and watch how this stuff is made oh my gosh that is my dream to be on set Mm -hmm. i just love tv so much there's so much that goes on that just the random viewer would never even know and take for granted. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. It really is. Yeah. And to be doing it during COVID too was incredible mm-hmm. just to like the mountains that people would move for us to, you know, like at a certain point, everyone was being tested regularly. And so eventually when you shoot the scene, you, you know, you lose the mask and lose, you know, you have a face shield and a mask. And so we'd take it off just before we'd shoot. And the incredible crew would, you know, I'd have like uh, Lilia, the woman who was doing my hair, she'd come up and just make sure like my ponytail was like in and in the right place. (laughs) And it's like, she's in, you know, a mask and a shield and she's got 25 hair products here and 25 hair products (laughs) for the whole crew. It's just incredible to see all that goes into the detail from, Mm. you know, the costumes and the makeup and the hair. It's just, it's unbelievable. He's an actor now. He's used to getting his you hair done. You need her at all times. You need her walking around <laughs> you during everyday life. <laughs> Make sure your ponytail's looking good. And actually, I think I'm I think I'm gonna go to Vancouver just to have her cut my hair, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, she's, she's that good. She's very wow, good. Wow. Yeah. I don't think she cuts hair, but I'm gonna beg her to cut <laughs> hair for me. <laughs> so trust. Uh, a little bit more of a, a fun question. Um, so you guys are both play multiple instruments um correct right 
Correct. I, mean, I mean, looking, yeah. looking around your yeah. like studio, <laughs> obviously. You do. I, mean, yeah. I just wanted to make sure before I asked. Uh, so what was the first instrument that you guys uh, fell in love with and started to play? And what is your favorite instrument, either to play or just the sound? That's uh, for, for me, it's real easy. The first instrument yeah. I played was piano. And my favorite instrument to this day is the piano. There's nothing I like more than like being alone in a house with a piano and a cup of coffee and yeah. just sitting there alone and playing. I, I to this day, I love it. It's my favorite thing to do. I have three pianos in this house. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, there it is. It's the same. I, I the thing I love about the piano, too. It's just, it's real honest. So if it's, you know, if it sounds poopy on the piano, it's, gonna, it's not going to get much better. <laughs> That's awesome. I was hoping somebody would say saxophone. I know one of you guys can play it. Uh, yeah. I ended up in, you know, third grade. <laughs> That's when I, not exactly. Yeah. I was an eighth grade band officer, so. Not a big, that's a big yeah. deal, man. Not exactly apprenticing with Hans Zimmer, but it, it's up there. Because you played saxophone, maybe you'll hate me for saying how, why I started playing saxophone, but I'll, I'll admit it. Uh, at the time, St. Elmo's Fire came out, and I learned that score on the piano. And Rob Lowe played the musician like sax player. And I saw that movie at a, like, I think I was in seventh grade when I saw that movie, and I was like, that is so cool. That saxophone sounds <laughs> awesome. So I did all this homework to find out that like even the mouthpiece that he used to get that sound from a sax was like a different, it was the beginning of my nerdy music days of like mm -hmm. searching, you know, but I, there was no internet. So I had to go to the music store. Like, well, why I'm recording? <laughs> why does the sax not sound like the sax you sold me? The sax you sold me, like I'm learning, I learned it. I learned the thing. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it. And they were like, you need a, I, I think like a metal mouse mouthpiece versus a, I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yeah, can you, you can you imagine like not having the internet and having to figure that out? Oh, so <laughs> well, I yeah. guess you can imagine, but I'm talking. <laughs> no, no, no. That's incredible. Uh, that's hysterical. You say that, that you literally thought somebody playing a sax was so cool because, you know, I, I liked music, you know, back in elementary school and when I was choosing which instrument to play and my mom was like, you know, I'm telling you what, like women love the sax <laughs> They player. love the sax. Man. I did not get one girl because of my <laughs> saxophone. So I don't know at what date the saxophone stopped being cool, but it was definitely before I started playing. But it's back. The M83 it's album back. That came out a few years ago is like drenched in saxophone. So it's like you, you're it's you're it's back. You're okay. In. Yeah. Right. I'll start picking it back up again. Yeah. It's like good because I have it right here. <laughs> I tried not too long ago, a couple years ago, to learn the piano because my fiance is a is a piano teacher. She played all of her life, all throughout school, and she had a musical scholarship. And I learned a little bit, but I <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't get it to stick. But you tried. At least I did. Time. I tried. I did. I tried. <laughs> you know, you I, know I could play. I could play to this day, Jolly Old Saint Nicholas on the piano. Crash. <laughs> And that's all you need for the holidays. And her, yeah, exactly. And her, you know, four-year-old student could play it way better than me, but yeah. I did my best. <laughs> Just it's, practice. It's kind of bizarre how when you pick something up as a kid versus you pick it up as a, an adult. I mean, I'm sure there's a thousand reasons why it's easier to pick it up as a kid, but... It's wild because I've tried. You can ask Jimmy every Christmas, every I, I got a banjo like a couple years ago. Yeah. I don't know how to play a single lick of music. Not one. The only thing but I she can has play, every instrument that ever existed. I, I do. Um, Boston by Augustana is the only one, but only because I memorized it, not yeah. because I know anything about music. 
<laughs> I just sat well, down and forced myself to memorize it. But see, and that's, I, I think the thing is like when we're young and playing music, uh, you might think about like, oh, I want to play saxophone like Rob Lowe or whatever, whatever the <laughs> aspiration is. Like, I want to sing like this person. But I think as a kid, you you also don't care. You don't like, you don't have these perceptions that we get as we get older of like, oh, you're supposed to sit up and this is how high you should be at the piano when you sit. And this is the form you should have when you're playing the saxophone. You just don't care. You're like laying in bed playing the saxophone. I, do it. Like, I still don't care. I have terrible <laughs> form. <laughs> but I think not caring is like the, the best part of it. Everyone has said this, right? You're playing an instrument. And I think the right. idea of like playing it should be I had one piano teacher that would bum me out because she would be really strict about things. And luckily my parents like pivoted and I got another teacher who was super cool, like made me a deal and was like, first 30 minutes, all classical. If you don't screw up and you've practiced, then the next 30 minutes, I'll teach you any pop song you want to learn. And that was like a deal for me. So I'd show up and do my Chopin and Mozart and Bach and scales and all the crap that I didn't like. And the next (laughs) 30 minutes I do, like she'd teach me a Genesis song or a Beatles, you know? Um, so I think that like any instrument you want to play, like just play it like as if you're an asshole. Like I think yeah. that's the key, right? I didn't mean right. to swear, sorry, but no, no, we don't swear all you want. All. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I, I think that's it. When you're a kid, you don't know that you're being an asshole. You're just like, I don't I don't really care that Uncle Andy plays the piano this way. Like my little nephew just like likes to sit at the piano and like bang out one hand. Exactly. Yep. And like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna stop him. Like he might be like the next, I don't know. You. Know. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully not. It's like Uncle Andy. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I used to do that exact same thing. We had a piano in my house, and I would like run down to the high notes and slap my hands on there and sing in a high pitch voice, and then run down to the other end of the low notes and do that, and sing a low pitch voice. And my family thought it was hysterical, and like <laughs> no. we still talk about it and stuff like that. So <laughs> it definitely is cool. Like it. I, I never realized it, but yeah, just letting a kid be a kid and just playing an instrument yeah. that they think they like the sound. I mean, that's like babies smacking on the pots and pans would we'll do that yeah. all the time. Just let them go. <laughs> even though it's annoying as hell, you got to yeah. let them go. Just let them go. Yeah. It's their you'd music. Probably, you'd have 10 million views on TikTok if they had a TikTok of you doing that at the piano. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> you might need to add that to Instagram, Paul. Yeah, might have to. But yeah, I didn't have any more questions. Did you guys? Yeah. We don't want to keep you guys too yeah. much longer. And I know Kathleen has a specific question she wants to ask about Hill House and Blog. Oh, okay, I'll ask it. So as a joke, um, at the end of every episode, um, and for a while for all the shows, we play a game called Bang Kill Mary. And uh, we were <laughs> hoping that you guys would do it with the three shows. So basically it's like you're really ranking them. You're just ranking them, them. Pretty much. It's like Hill House, Bly. And um, Midnight, Midnight Mass. Mass, if it's like Bang Kill Mary. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. And I'm going to, I'll let you guys decide what each of those means in a um, film sense or in a TV sense. Bang <laughs> Kill Mary. At like bang period, kill period. Mary yeah, you pick period. each one, each For one. A show. Yes. Uh huh. So you like kill. I mean, it's a joke. So, so you're banging like, Hill House. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Let's you, see. Andy, you would definitely have to, uh, I assume, marry Midnight Mass because that was your acting debut, right? Yeah. Whether or not wow. the music was your favorite or not, that was yeah. that was where you, your stardom blew up. 
you're right. I mean, that's you're right. Yes, that's 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 a good start. Yeah, so Mary <laughs> would be midnight mass. Um, Taylor, what's your Mary? Oh, probably would be midnight mass too. Yeah, for sure. And then bang would be Hill House for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Okay. And then it's a shame that by default you have to yeah. kill Bly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't, all great. I mean, yeah, I mean, we don't. I I don't want to kill Bly, but I think Bly yeah. would actually appreciate like. The, the lady, the lady, the lake, nature, yeah. Yeah, the lady of the lake would have appreciate the violence and then probably uh. turn on me. So maybe <laughs> very serendipitous, actually. There you go. Yeah. So my girlfriend hadn't seen any. Obviously, she hadn't seen Midnight Mass. She doesn't like scary stuff. And kind of like we said before, I kind of had to do the pitch where it's like it's so character driven. It's so emotional. Like the story's amazing. It's some of like the best one season of television I've ever seen. So we watched Midnight Mass first and then I'm going to go back and show her Hill House and Bly. And I am so excited. Basically the moral of that story is those are some of the best standalone seasons of television I've seen. And it's because of the music and everything combined. I mean, it, it, it would not be the same without that music. It just mm-hmm. it, it, 100% agreed. It oh, hits. wow, guys. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Wow, That's thank too, you too kind. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. I was the Hill House. I was going through the tracks and I was like, I want to wake up so badly. Like all these ones, they're hitting me. They're absolutely <laughs> whatever walked there, walked alone. Larks and Katie did. So I was like, these are hurting my soul. Even the name <laughs> Luke. I was like, no. It's <laughs> so uh, good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the that's the, the the genius of Flanagan, you know, like just just he, he tees up this environment and the tragedy. And the, yeah. And, and even, you know, being being up there for Midnight Mass really like let me see in production how he brings together this team of people like everybody. There's like no attitude, zero egos with cast crew it's just real like and that's you know he's he and and trevor quarterbacking these projects and bringing the people together and it's just uh it makes writing the music it makes it easier you know because he's teeing up these situations where it's like shit if we actually write a bunch of music and they take all of it out and the whole show is silent it's gonna be great like you know what i mean so it's (laughs) it's uh but but thank you all very much that's very very nice to hear thank you it makes sense. I mean, you wonder why he keeps a lot of the same cast. And of course, you guys on. It's an award-winning combination. It's great. Oh, two kinds. <laughs> Fun. We have a, another deadline for the for another project of Mike's coming up. So we're we're in that zone of uh, oh. no, no sleep. And I, I hope, you know, hope we play the right, the right keys. <laughs> well, we appreciate you yeah. hopping on when you're in the midst of a deadline. So we really, yeah, we really that. appreciate that. Oh, yeah. guys, no, yes. thank no, you for good. having us. Yeah, it's good for a good good break for us. So thank you guys. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. This, this was fantastic. I cannot wait to watch. I'm sure you guys can't tell us anything about it, but <laughs> yeah. as soon as it comes out, we'll be watching it, and, and we'll I'm be sure. covering it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah. We'll talk about that when it comes out. And in the meantime, Kathleen, you gotta you gotta get out to get out to this one this year. You gotta do get my it. Flight. You should. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's so much fun. Yeah. Awesome. All right. That's a bucket list it. item for sure. Cool. Uh, there you go. I know what to give you for your gift then. <laughs> there it is. Best brother. All right. Appreciate Thank it. You guys. Right, guys. Thank you so much. Awesome. Really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you guys. Thank you. Take yeah. care. Have a good yeah. night. Bye-bye. And there you have it. Andy Grush and Taylor Newton Stewart, the Newton brothers. We can't thank them enough for coming onto the podcast and we cannot wait to see what is next for them. They hinted that they have another Mike Flanagan project that they are working on. So, you know, we'll be covering that on the podcast whenever it drops. If you guys like what you heard, please check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Binge Town TV. 
please give us a five-star review on any of your favorite podcast apps or check us out at binstowntv.com. If you're not yet a patron and looking to support the pod, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash TV. You can also find it on our Instagram and website. Right now, we have two tiers available, Binge Townie and Binge Town Homie. The first tier, Binge Townie, is just $2 a month and is available if you just want to send some support our way. With this tier, you will get a shout out from us on the podcast. Our second tier, Binge Town Homie, has all of our exclusive content. This tier is $5 a month and you get exclusive patron-only podcast episodes, early access to our celebrity interviews, and exclusive patron-only unedited celebrity video interviews, plus a lot of other bonus material. We appreciate all of your support and hope you all join the fun because our exclusive episodes are going to get wild. And once again, everybody, we are Binstown TV, and thank you so much for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.